This week on the podcast, the story of an absolutely free, free like rainbows, free like unicorns, donation platform for your website, GiveLively.org's CEO tells us all about it. This is Using the Whole Whale, a podcast that brings you stories of data and technology in the nonprofit world. My name is George Weiner, your host and the chief whaler of wholewhale.com. Thanks for joining us. I am here with the CEO of GiveLively.org, David DiParalisa. Thank you, David, for joining us. Thanks for having me, George. Uh, I feel like the title of this company really explains it all. Uh, can you tell us what Give Lively is and does? Sure. Uh, Give Lively is a tech company that's dedicated to creating fundraising software for nonprofits that we give away for free and you know, that really seriously give away for free. Um, we were built and founded by philanthropists who cover our operating costs um, so that we can experiment on behalf of nonprofits to build tech that helps them do everything they need to do online, uh, from text to donate to fundraising pages, from peer-to-peer fundraising, uh, all the way to a Salesforce integration. It's a company dedicated to serving the nonprofit sector in this way. So basically for all of my like donation form, my peer-to-peer thing, my event thing, that time I need that credit card form field, the, the give here, give there, like that is like the bucket of, of, of service I'm talking about here. That's right, right? Everything you'd need as a nonprofit to raise money online and all the modern ways that nonprofits expect to be able to raise money online uh, are available to every nonprofit in the U.S. Uh, that is registered with the IRS and um, it could use some, can use some free help, which I think is, is pretty much every nonprofit. All right. So I want to get into that crazy word free because frankly, David, I don't believe you. Uh, <laughs> nothing's free except for rainbows and sprinkles. Now. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're just like, oh, where are you going? Uh, what I love here is if you can explain why it's um, so wild that it is free, because um, there are all kinds of like hidden fees tucked into any time, you know, uh, we hear, hey, here's some software that processes a credit card. Can you just walk me through the various hands in the till, the amount of those little like fee one, fee two, fee threes that are commonly placed on fundraising software. Sure, sure. So, you know, one thing that's important to mention that I had mentioned sort of an intro in Give Lively is that Give Lively as an organization is building technology and the things that Give Lively provides, we don't charge for. Um, but there are, as you're rightly noting, fees charged by third parties that aren't us, uh, for example, payment processors that take a cut of transactions uh, and you know, sort of have their own schedule in, in terms of fees. And so, it, so in terms of hands on the till, in a typical scenario where you're dealing with a for-profit tech vendor 
uh, a give lively competitor, let's say, uh, that service is charging for access to the platform. And that could be anything from a small monthly fee to a very large annual fee just to access the platform. There is frequently, if not almost consistently, fees by that same platform taken out per transaction. And those could range from 2% to 3% or more. Uh, the And I've seen a, a wide variety of fees taken out uh, on a per transaction basis. And then there are payment processors that live under those services. And we all, including GiveLive, we live with them. So Stripe, PayPal, those services have credit card fees, bank fees, and those could range from on the very low end for Stripe uh, with a with a debit card, um, rather with an ACH uh, direct debit, uh, 0.8%, all the way up to Amex, which is 3.5%. So, you know, what we managed to do is that first piece, that piece, that access fee, those per transaction fees that are not Stripe or PayPal, we don't charge any of those. And we pledge, and we actually have on our website a forever free pledge, um, guaranteeing that we will never charge for any of the services that we offer as part of our forever free service offering. Um, so that's the difference. And that, that's also kind of hand in the till. There are a lot of, a lot of hands on the till and that, that's sort of the imbalance we're looking to fix um, and, and remove a whole set of fees from the process of making a donation. So I go on to Malala Fund, who I happen to know uses Give Lively, and I open up my wallet take out my credit card. It happens to be an Amex. I give $100. How much money goes to Malala Fund? So in that case, the if you, you're giving $100, it, the Amex fee for Stripe, if you're paying with Stripe, is 3.5%. So $3.50 will go to Stripe. Uh, slash Amex, and the rest will go to Malala Fund. Gotcha. And that's not that's a, a percentage base, or is that a transaction base? So that would be three point five percent of the total amount you choose to donate. Gotcha. Just confirming. So you know, it's yep. um, you know, it, it's wild. I think a lot of people don't maybe fully understand. Um, those fees and what's going on. And frankly, you're just like, look, this is as cheap as we possibly can make it. Uh, and I'm curious though, how, you know, how do you make money? Like, how do you like pay the bills? Like you are currently spending time and I assume have employees that get paid. How is this thing working? Yeah. I mean, there are 20 give lively employees, um, in an office in New York city. We're funded by philanthropists, um, Jennifer and Jonathan Soros, the Soros family who cover our operating costs. So this is a version of their philanthropy and a way for them to give back in a way that is more sustaining in terms of, um, having a sort of teaching, teaching nonprofits to fish, so to speak, by offering, you know, the fishing rod and the bait. Um, giving them what they need uh, to to stand up on online fundraising platform. Um, it's a different way of thinking about giving back. So you know we're lucky. It's very unique to have uh, to have funders who want to give in this way and therefore aren't seeking to recoup their costs. Um, and that's the difference, and that's what makes us kind of special and and what makes this opportunity really special to to do this work. 
this is fascinating because I imagine that simple knowledge of this, you know, don't you just want to like run up to like the, the, the top of the empire state building or highest mountain and peak and just be like, don't you understand it's free. Like when you launch <laughs> to give lot, like when you put this thing out there in, in the world and your team put it out there, did you just expect like a cattle charge, like doors being knocked down, like black Friday style people getting trampled <laughs> to get $10 TV situations uh, like what, what did you expect and what happened? Yeah. You know, we knew that we, we had actually, so the way we built give lively and the platform that we offer today was, was iterative and relatively experimental, including a soft launch and some prospecting of potential partners ahead of time. So there, we knew what we were going to get into before we really launched in a large way we we heard early the skepticism and the skepticism of it, us being free of not knowing who we were of not understanding the full product offering those things we knew we were going to get into and we did face those challenges up front so you know only over time has and i'd say really in the last year has it felt like we're starting to feel that stampede and that's a great feeling because we're ready for it uh, but it wasn't the, it wasn't what we knew was going to happen out of the gate. Um, but now that, you know, our reputation has increased and remained consistent and proved, uh, that the product, product offering has grown, um, and that we're more visible in the space. We're starting to see that happen and it's really exciting. It's completely different. It was, you know, in, in some ways a happy surprise, but also what we're working towards. So it feels good. Do other, nonprofit fundraising companies hate your guts? <laughs> um, you know, unfortunately, there have been some, uh, some I'd call it like fake news propaganda uh, or, you know, high level of skepticism uh, with an underlying uh, false narrative being expressed about us. But by and large, we've viewed other nonprofit tech vendors as potential partners because there's we're, we don't live in a world where Give Lively can build everything. And we must partner with other nonprofit tech vendors who do other kinds of work, work that we won't, we won't necessarily take on. So, you know, there are some cases where we may be directly competitive and there's some sort of bad aura in terms of that competition. Um, we wish it, it weren't that way, but it, that's how it is. And then in many more cases, um, it feels like an opportunity to partner and that's something we're open to. Hi, this is Mark Arivna from the Nonprofit Times. You might remember me from such stories as the NPT 100 or the best nonprofits to work for. If you haven't heard, the Nonprofit Times has its own podcast. It's called Fresh Research. Each month, we talk to the authors of great fresh research about the nonprofit sector. Check it out on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find it at thenonprofittimes.com backslash fresh hyphen research, or join the conversation on Twitter with the hashtag Fresh Research. And so give us a sense of how big Give Lively is as far as you can share with regard to number of clients, amount of dollars, or any other uh, high-level stats. Sure. So in terms of number of nonprofits, there are over 4,000 nonprofits that use our service. Um, and they, they range in size in terms of the size of the nonprofit from nonprofits that 
bring in very little uh, online because they're brand new or very small, um, all the way to l- large national and international nonprofits that you know could raise um, usually hovering in the the million dollar or under mark. I don't think we are have yet reached a point where you know in terms of online fundraising, I'm not talking about total fundraising. The types of nonprofits we work with are raising, hovering around the million dollar mark. Um, we don't release specific volume numbers, but we can say that we've grown uh, 800% year over year. And this year on track to grow that same amount, which is really incredible. Um, so we're, we're taking off in terms of size um, and the, the size of nonprofits, the size of the volume that comes through our system, and then therefore the amount of money saved by those nonprofits um, in fees to put back to service. Yeah, and that seems to be a, an underlying KPI that that is that's the core KPI, right? Like how many dollars right. have we saved and, and and made sure directed back to cause? Uh, that's right. You don't have to answer this, but is this for absolutely any five hundred one c three organization out there, or do you have extra editorial constraints on on who can use this? Yeah, so. We, we publish a value stand in it. We say that we'll work with any 501c3 that doesn't discriminate, uh, that doesn't limit, uh, a, a woman's right to choose, that doesn't support, uh, assault rifle, uh, and sort of automatic weapon, um, whether it's advocacy or education in that realm. We won't, we won't work with those orgs. Um, you know, so we, I'd call it a, it feels like a pretty normal and standard set of values, but it's also, you know, the nonprofit sector has uh, every, you know, there are 1.5 million plus nonprofits in the U.S. So there, there is a bit of a filtering mechanism, but by and large, you know, everything from small, you know, small homeless shelters, churches, very large organizations doing great work, um, they all use us and, uh, you know, we feel good about the, the amount of access we offer. Do you consider the Facebook donation platform tool tool that was rolled out um, a while ago, and now actually also Instagram has these uh, donation stickers, uh, do you consider them a competitor? Aren't they actually covering the entire uh, fee structure associated with credit card donations to nonprofits right now? They are covering it, and that's great. You know, so one thing we'd hoped would happen as Give Lively emerged, and really when we started Give Lively four years ago, we hoped we would spark a bit of a movement around fundraising, access to technology, um, and the fees involved. So, you know, this fits exactly within the vision that Give Lively has for what the sector should look like. And and, and I'd say, you know, at the base, we'd love to work with Facebook uh, um, and its Instagram platform. And be an integration partner because what they're doing is is really helpful um, and is being taken advantage of in all the right ways uh, by nonprofits and by those who support them. Um, so I'd look at them as a as an ally in this kind of mission towards democratization of technology access. 
Yeah, I would just uh, make one statement that kind of gets me that certainly covering it, but the fact that nonprofits aren't given the data of their donors uh, actually yeah. can really hurt that nurture uh, that nurture relationship that I think inevitably has to come up. And whereas like owning it on your own site clearly as you do and allow people to create the embedded form, like you have full access to data. I completely agree. I think the one downside is that Facebook is a separate system and not an integrated system. And because they're right now very limited in who they're allowing access to their platform, their fundraising platform specifically, uh, it makes it harder to have that holistic single place where a, a nonprofit can go for donor data. Um, we'd love to, we would love to be able to integrate in such a way that we could pull in that data into our system or push it into Facebook. Um, and, but that is a challenge point uh, that we, you know, would love Facebook to, we'd love to help Facebook overcome. All right. Obviously, Mark Zuckerberg listens to every single whole web podcast. <laughs> so consider that a, a, a DM, all right? Don't, That's right. Yeah. No worries. So yeah, if there's anything else you want to say to important humans, um, they, they all listen. That, great. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, put, lower your prices. <laughs> Lower your prices, give more access to more more folks in need. I think um, we'd all do better by empowering more nonprofits to have access to good technology. All right, I'm just going to be selfish here because I feel like I'm talking to the absolute like web donation form expert guy right now, <laughs> and I need you to just like architect the perfect donation page and also donation strategy for a website. A nonprofit website, like what are the like? You got to do these ten things kind of approach that you visualize or, or put out there for nonprofits. Sure. So I'd say that at the core, a, a really good donation page is a very simple page. It's singular in purpose. It's oriented towards the call to action that is making and completing that donation. Um, it tells the story of impact really well, and it doesn't tell it to a degree that pushes away uh, or, or removes the call to action from the page uh, or pushes it so far down that it's hard to see. It helps inspire someone to give in that moment. Um, it gives them a range of choices in terms of thinking about what a dollar means in terms of outcome. So, you know, $5 equates to this outcome for my cause, donate now and help me reach this goal, help me fulfill this mission. Um, it has a digital wallet right on that main page. So, you know, a donor reaches that donation page, is inspired by the story, sees a simple way to click a button to finish that payment, and they're done. Um, it doesn't ask a lot of questions, or it doesn't ask more questions than are necessary to complete the donation. And it doesn't also try to uh, inspire you to do yet more things within the context of that page. It's not also the page where you go to sign up to be a volunteer. It's not also the page where you go to sign up um, to take a different kind of action or attend an event. Um, it's, it's singular in focus. It's simple. It feels like a checkout form on uh, on a on a really you know, easy to use e-commerce site that you you pay money to get something delivered. It feels like the ease of use that you experience when you buy a cup of coffee with Apple Pay uh, at a at your local coffee shop, it should feel like that. Uh, and that really 
that makes a very highly converting and successful donation form. Yeah, so like this clean, frictionless uh, point. Uh, how much do I need to have that narrative, that story, like above the fold, like, hey, this is what we're doing and where we're doing it, and here's like a brief statement from a stakeholder versus just get out of the way and show a form. Where is this balance? <laughs> so I, I would say the answer to that is in how you drive individuals to that page, or even if you have, for example, if you have more than one page that drives them to that donation, uh, to that end um, ask. So if you are, if you've previously shared the story, and at the point in which that donors landed on the page, they know the story and they're already inspired, then there should be really nothing more on that page than the most easy to use donation form with the least amount of buttons that lets them finish that donation and, and complete the intent that brought them there in the first place. If the way they got there may have been, let's say through a Google search and they don't really know you, uh, hopefully your site has explained your mission well enough that they see a clear call to action, ideally an embedded donation form right on that same page, whether it's your homepage or a separate page, um, that just tells enough story uh, to keep them interested, but doesn't hide the donation capacity in you know, a link on the footer, for example, um, making the very using the Malala example uh, is perfect, right? So here's the story of Malala's work um, and impact right on, above the fold, and then the donation form with just a single button or two right below it. Uh, so that works really well as a nice mix between story and action. I really want to emphasize this point because it's a, a trend I'm starting to see that the assumption that just because you have a donate button at the top of every page is enough. Uh, it seems like, you know, you can embed this little form and I can move it around and I won't name names, but there is certain software, fundraising software out there that literally doesn't allow any embedding onto any page and literally forces people <laughs> to go to a different domain where there is a janky form. I'm not going to name it any names, but you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Talk to me about I, this movement and this wave and this strategy of saying, no, 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 don't make a human click. Ask right there. Move the form in page. Move the ask in page. Yeah, I mean, I, I'd say that at the, at the core of that original idea, uh, meaning the idea that there should be a separate page, was the lack of, as you noted, functionality that lets you donate or have a form directly embedded on the page. Um, it's also important to note that not everyone interacts with the page the same way. Uh, not everyone sees your donate button. It may be obvious to you, it may be obvious to everyone on your staff that that clear, bright, blinking, giant donate button in the upper right-hand corner is is obvious, but it may not be. So the, so the trend is putting right in front of and in, in the kind of core scroll of that page from, you know, if you're, if you're looking at the page from the top and you're scrolling down, there's no question that that embeddable form is visible, is clear, and is the way that is uh, clear to that user that they should make a donation. So that that's absolutely a trend. You want to keep people on your site. You want to keep them within the space in which you've created to inspire them to give. And you want to make it really easy uh, to, to complete that donation. It also creates some 
more time when you have a donation form that looks and feels like your site and is consumer friendly. It's more, it's something that you know, donors respond to. They don't, when you go to another site uh, and that page doesn't look like your brand, there's kind of a question mark. Is this trustworthy? Is this secure? Uh, so a lot of those questions get answered when that donation form is embedded right on your either homepage or donate page. Can you talk to me a little bit about the game of reoccurring donors and how to structure that in? Should I redo all of my forms because I heard that reoccurring donors are the cat's meow and that's all I should be <laughs> focused on? And, and should I just completely switch over to that? How do you currently see this? So we give nonprofits options. They can have forms that have um, monthly as the default selection so that it, you know, we, we've heard that same kind of concern, like monthly recurring sustaining donations are the new hotness. The subscription model is what people are moving towards. That may not work in every case, though. And if you have a donor who's come in because one of their friends is a supporter of your cause and they want to um, you know, to show that support. They're not necessarily going to be a monthly donor. So it's important to have pay, a page set up that is oriented towards monthly sustaining giving and then a separate page for, uh, you know, one-time donors or just really easy ways to toggle both in the same form. And so, you know, with our platform at Give Lively, you can do both of those things. Awesome. So you, one way or the other, you're simply responding to the market. You don't necessarily have full and complete data as to, you know what, make every form a pre-checked reoccurring donor. Well, I would say this, we started out with the idea that we would lead uh, with monthly as the default and that that should be the way that, that forms live on the internet and the donation forms live on the internet. But the feedback we got and what we learned over time was that that really only works when the ask feels right for monthly. And, you know, it, there are so many instances where a donor isn't interested in a monthly donation that you don't want to turn them off by almost making it feel like you've pushed them into that choice. Uh, so we, we want to make sure through our forms that the donor feels empowered to make the choice and that you've given them the choice as a nonprofit. So that's all there. And you're right. It, it's it's unclear where that should be. Um, and it may be different case by case. I'm going to put you on the spot. What is the like biggest donation amount that you've ever seen go through the system? If you can talk about that. <laughs> uh, we saw a single $100,000 donation go through our system. Um, at least at least once, if not more than once. Um and, you know, it, it, those, it's unusual to see large donations that large go through, you know, unfortunately, this world of large donations, at least is still a check writing world, um, a paper check writing world. But, you know, it, I, I think it should give us all a little comfort to know that you know, a successful large dollar, not a million dollar check, but a hundred thousand dollars. Is that only because your other form field won't support that many digits? <laughs> you know, it's funny, we had originally limited the the amount that could be given. We were sort of concerned and unsure of how uh, this could be used. And we were worried about fraud and all these things that are, are important to think about as a tech company. And over time, we continued to up and up and up the limit. Um, and at the same time, adding more and more checks to ensure that we're not getting 
you know, fraudulent activity and bot activity. So we feel good that now the limit is, I believe it's $999,000. And I'll let you know when we see one of those. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, keep me informed on that one. Uh, I'm going to want to know. Uh, Just think about the credit card points, man. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. But at that point, you're, yeah, I mean, if you're, I, I would, I'll, I'll share another anecdote, which is that through text to donate at events, we see really large, we were surprised to see really large donations through text, um, through, through that mechanism. And you know, it makes sense because it, in many cases it's a gala and there's a level of trust implicit in being present at that gala and donating to that cause. But level of comfortability with large dollar donations, even in an older population, um, was surprising and really nice to see. And so you actually offer the, the full text to pledge end to end solution or are you just covering what it, part it's of that? text to donate and we pay for all of it. So we have a short code four, four, three, two, one, uh, a nonprofit can sign up and create their own freeze, uh, for an event or an, any sort of activity that they have going on. Uh, they can use our live display projected on screen, wherever that might be. And, can accept donations. Uh, they're, they're, it's not pledges, it's, it's actual donations. So money is changing hands um, using digital wallets on a person's phone at the event. And that's all free. Boy, I feel like we're blowing people's minds right now, but I still don't believe <laughs> it's free. So you can't convince me. It doesn't matter. Well, you'll just have to, the only thing that will make you, you <laughs> could come up with new ways of, of imagining how we charge, but I'm going to say no to all of them. Okay. Uh, anything else you want to say before we move into our rapid fire round? I think I'm good. Okay. Please keep your responses to around 30 seconds. What is one tech tool or website that you or your organization has started using in the last year? So we started to use a platform called Webflow. They are a, it's sort of like a mix of a Squarespace meets meets an engineering team there. It's a great tool to allow you to build and design a website without needing an engineering team without, um, and yet let you let, lets you sort of get deep inside uh, of the code of your site. So it's basically a way to enable a whole, a whole team to stand up a really good website without a lot of back and forth. Um, and it's a tool we've just started to use. We've, we give lively.org. Um, is based on Webflow. We love it. What tech issues are you currently battling? So it's hard to keep up with all the different APIs that are being published by third parties, you know, whether it's a social media network API or an integration with a CRM. There are so many of them. Um, it's, it's sort of difficult to keep an internal knowledge base of those changes. And so it's a challenge, one that we're facing, and I think every other organization faces, but yeah, we're battling it too. What is coming in the next year that has you the most excited? So in the next few months, we will be releasing an upgrade to our peer-to-peer platform that allows teams uh, to organize on the platform. We'll, so essentially, we'll have the ability to allow an individual to fundraise, um, a team or a corporation to fundraise, teams to compete against one another, and then even nonprofits to compete against one another um, towards goals and a challenge kind of concept. So we're really excited about that. We think that will unlock a lot of new dollars and potential um, and some exciting uh, 
uh, ways to fundraise that we may not have even thought. Talk about a mistake you've made earlier in your career that shapes the way you currently do things now. In 30 seconds or less. Um, I think for me, uh, an early mistake was not knowing when to end something, kind of remaining attached to an idea or a mission that at some point should or had a natural close. Um, I think the lesson for me was learn when to cut your losses or learn when to dig in. Um, and being a little more decisive has helped, you know, essentially me overcome those kinds of challenges um, today in my career. Can nonprofits successfully go out of business? If they're doing their job, they should be oriented towards going out of business. If I were to put you in the hot tub time machine, going back to when Give Lively first launched, what advice would you give yourself? I would have dug into partnership in a different way, meaning partnership with nonprofits. Um, being, we are an excellent partner to many nonprofits. I think what we could have done better is targeting who could help inform our product suite uh, to a degree that would help us build even better products for more nonprofits. Um, and that was sort of a you know, a little bit of a scoping question, like how, how do you imagine, who is your ideal customer is a, is a question mark when you have this very open field, amazing opportunity in front of you. I think if I waved a magic wand, I would go back and say, uh, how do we, how do we target a little bit better? Um, and then how do we serve those nonprofits a little bit better? What is something you think you should stop doing? So at this point, we, we've been on this mission of building a platform that matches the platform and exceeds in many ways the platforms that are, that are being charged for by other vendors. I think it's time to start deepening the level of sophistication of those features and not widening the offering as much. I think we've been chasing quite a few features and you know it, it would benefit everyone involved if we made the features that we already have uh, better and more robust. So we'll, we'll, you know, we'll see where that leads, but in the very short term, uh, deepening, not widening. If you had a Harry Potter style wand to wave across the industry, what would it do? <laughs> uh, so for me, the wand would deliver upon every nonprofit uh, in the world, a photographer and a graphic designer, <laughs> a photographer who could take an amazing high quality photo of a nonprofit's work and a graphic designer who can create an amazing logo because these things are so fundamental to how a nonprofit is perceived online. And those assets get used so far and wide that if you know, they, it sounds so simple, but without those things, it's really difficult to build trust online and to, and to gain attraction. So the magic wand would deliver this graphic designer photographer to, to every nonprofit in the, in the world. How did you get started in the social impact sector? I started uh, growing up in Chelsea, Massachusetts, which is right outside of Boston, um, as a kid who lived in a neighborhood that was uh, largely under the poverty line, um, a minority majority or uh, community, and sort of witnessed these vicious cycles that kept folks in my community from getting out of those, whether it's a glass ceiling or 
in response to discrimination. And so I, I was sort of in this world by default. And I translated what I witnessed and what I experienced growing up in Chelsea into a, a passion that led, you know, that happened to lead down a tech path and then find its way to uh, the social impact space and being able to marry those two things together um, and land a place where I could apply some skills I built to a problem set that I saw and witnessed uh, was an incredible opportunity that I'm so, so happy I have. What advice would you give college grads currently looking to enter the social impact world? I would, uh, you know, the, the, the basis of that question, I hope, is that these college grads are already looking to get into the social impact sector. I'd say, uh, you know, there are as many interesting paths in the social impact space as there are in the for-profit space. And that if you're thinking about a career uh, in design, in strategy, in finance, in product and tech, it exists it, as much as that job exists in the for-profit world, it also exists in the, in the social impact sphere. So find it, you know, contribute in that way. Um, and you know, don't look at it as some, some alternative path down a different trajectory. It's actually the same trajectory that you would have in a for-profit world. In fact, you, you probably learn more in a nonprofit or in a social impact uh, role based on how scrappy those individuals need to be. Um, so yeah, I would, I'd just encourage thinking about it that way. Is Give Lively free? 100%. Are you sure? 100, 1,000%. <laughs> All right. Uh, David, thank you so much for taking the time. Final question. How do people find you? How do people help you? Sure. So you can find us at givelively.org. Uh, in terms of helping us, if you are connected to a nonprofit that you think could use free fundraising technology, send them our way. Um, and if you're someone who works for a nonprofit who has some great ideas for, for you know, something missing in the nonprofit tech sector uh, in terms of features or functionality, send those ideas our way and we'll, we'll really consider whether we should build that thing. Well, you're doing some amazing work. Uh, we hope you continue to grow. We're big fans, and good luck. Thank you so much. I appreciate your time. Thanks, as always, to Greg Thomas, music.org, for the tunes, and to Tim Seberger for editing this. Also, if you have a minute, find us on iTunes, leave us a rating, or rate us on whatever platform you happen to be listening to us on. Thanks. This has been Using the Whole Whale. For more resources on today's show, please visit wholewhale.com slash podcast and consider following us on Twitter at Whole Whale. And thanks for joining us.